Welcome to Life, Love, and Lessons, a safe space where we do all things with love and opulence. This podcast is for men and women of all ethnicities, experiences, opinions, life paths, and professional or rough backgrounds who are somehow involved in the space of dating or relationships, whether it's online or in person, or simply interested in love, spirituality, living the good life, learning, or just here to be inspired, entertained, intrigued, or in tune with life's personal pleasures. Listen intently, open your mind, and vibe. Welcome to episode three. If you're listening to this in real time, it's July 12th, which means we've gone through almost two weeks of July already. With July being the beginning of Q3, the start of or the last six months of the year, it's the prime time for people to finally start that thing they've been wanting to do. I don't know what your goal or your passion project is, but I hope you found these current times as an opportunity to get started. I didn't say get it done. There's no pressure here. If it's done, I knew you had it in you. If you got started, you got this. Half the battle was won. Keep that energy and be patient with yourself. Patience. That's a virtue I've been in school for my whole life. Now, you know I've been living in Texas for a little over a month now. I need y'all to pray for me. I spoke a little bit about my issue with Dallas living last episode, but I need to get a few more things off my chest before we get into today's topic. I will not entertain these thoughts again after this moment because I am in pursuit of loving Dallas, Texas. Moving forward, I will only speak, think, and act in ways that support my pursuit. As of right now, though, I need a lot of prayer. This morning... Y'all, I ran into reason number 7,873 why I should move back to California. I wake up, lo and behold, it's dark in my room. You know, I wake up kind of early. I wake up and I see like a big black thing in, in the corner of my room next to my desk. And I'm like, what is that? I go turn my light on and it's this huge bug. And I'm like, this, this is something like a roach or something. And I called my mom. I woke her up. Real early this morning, she's like, hello. I'm like, girl, what is this in my house? Blah, blah, blah. And my mama like, Texas people be like, <laughs> she like, girl, it's just a water bug. It's in the roach family, you know, but they harmless. It ain't going to do nothing to you. Ain't nobody, what, girl? Ain't nobody got time for no, why, it ain't near the water. If it's a water bug, why it's not in the sink or the bathtub? Why is it in my room? Now, luckily, it was on its back, so um, it wasn't flying around or crawling around or somewhere, you know, that it was like on me or anything like that. However, it didn't belong in my house. Um, If you know me, maybe you do, maybe you don't. um, I'm a very clean person, like clean, clean, like I don't even live with dust. So uh, to see any type of bug in my house is like, what? We don't know. Absolutely not. Um, so I was, 
you know, kind of a little like, yeah, no. I immediately, my friend texted me. She was coming over here this morning. She like, hey, girl, you up? I'm like, yep, up, packing my bags. <laughs> she like, what? What you mean you packing your bags? And I'm just like, yeah, this whole Texas living. And then so she called me like, what's wrong? And when I tell her, she busts out laughing because she like, oh, yeah, girl, them water bugs ain't no joke. I'm like, what? Okay. I call a coworker. Coworkers like, yeah, they be everywhere. Yeah, they be in my house sometimes. I be having to do this. I'm like, what? I go to the post office this morning. And the lady was like, oh, my God, I love your car. I love your license plate. And I'm like, thank you. She's like, are you visiting from California or are you moving here? I'm like, just moved here. And, you know, I had to let her know. I was like, just moved here and I have a lot of adjusting to do. Um, So, yeah, she's like, what's going on? I was like, you know, I woke up to this big bug that my mom called a water bug and a lady bust out laughing. She's like, yeah, pretty normal. It's something you got to get used to. And I'm just like baffled. Everybody out here, Texans be like, <laughs> yeah, it's normal. You will get used to it. I'm not going to get used to no, like, big old daddy roach just coming up in my house chilling. And, you know, I don't care that it's harmless. It's ugly and it's not cute and it don't belong here. It ain't paying no bills. But anyways, I digress. You might can imagine the anxiety I felt this morning. Maybe you can imagine how I felt waking up one day not feeling like myself. It was hard to be patient. Sometimes you wake up, maybe, I don't know, maybe you like me, maybe you're not, and you just don't feel like yourself. And I can remember thinking a couple months ago, I think it was sometime in March, the morning I woke up not feeling like myself, I remember thinking, You know, I really, really, really would love to just get back to myself, get back to who I am, get back to what I do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? When you feel like you are out of your mind and you literally have lost it and after looking everywhere, you still can't find it. Personally, I pray. And I'm going to keep praying and I won't stop praying. I I recommend indulging in that and or consulting with someone or a few people who might be able to help you gain some clarity or provide you with the resources such as wisdom, life skills, or a shift in your way of thinking to get you back to a place of mental stability or help you experience experience it for the first time. I'm thankful for my knowledge and my career of choice to be a social worker, also known as a therapist, an advocate, sound judgment, Reasonably intelligent in terms of life and things of that nature. Nature being life and mental health. Whew, child. We did not speak of mental health openly in my culture when I was growing up. The awareness has been on the incline. I still know people in specific cultures who currently still find it hard to openly discuss it or acknowledge it. The stigma is still a little bit thick. Today's topic will be primarily focused on mental health and women starting from birth birth control and the symptoms. Stay with me, it gets deep. It's important to keep listening if you're a man because you need to know what you're dealing with if you have a daughter or you engage with different women who may be on birth control, fresh off birth control, or struggling with mental health shift due to their menstrual cycle. I wanna take this time to share my birth control choices and experiences and mental health diagnoses. A mental health diagnosis I can relate to 
that I've never heard about into my adult years only because of my career choice. I started birth control when I was 15 or 16 years old. Honestly, I could have been 13 or 14 because I remember starting my cycle many years prior to my teenage years and starting my birth control prior to actually having sex just to help regulate my cycle. A menstrual cycle was known to visit on a reoccurring schedule, usually monthly. My mom told me that I was going to cramp and bleed every month, and if I didn't, I was pregnant. I was nine years old when I started. Yes, nine. Fourth grade. When I didn't start my period the next month, I just about had a heart attack. That's when I learned about having an irregular cycle. My red lady didn't plan to visit again until she felt like it. And when she did, she did not come to play. I remember not being able to go to school, walk, or move unless I was squirming on the couch, begging the cramps to go away, crying because God decided to make me a woman and sweating away my hopes and dreams of evolving as a woman for the rest of my life if I had to deal with that. My doctor recommended birth control to regulate my cycle. Birth control would allow my cycle to come monthly, as expected. It would subdue the pain a bit and allow me to control my cycle. Control. Controlling my cycle was the best thing I could have heard at 13 years old. I didn't know or care what estrogen and prestogen and all those things were, let alone the impact they had on my ovaries and my cervix. I do remember a light conversation about side effects of the birth control, but what stood out to me? No cramps. Basic, basically, birth control had me at hello. Honestly, it was a love story. Lighter periods, mild headaches, small amounts of blood, a little spotting, sore breasts, nausea, and of course, mood swings. There are other more serious illnesses associated with birth control. However, it depends on the brand and the strand of birth control that you have. Um, And if you may be prone to breast cancer, cervical cancer, liver disease, strokes, heart disease, high blood pressure, more strokes. I can go on, but I digress. All I needed to know was that I wouldn't cramp and I wouldn't have a baby. Those were my priorities at 13, 14 years old. That's all young Alante needed to know. And since we're being transparent here, all those side effects went in one ear and out of the other. Nothing could trump being a teenage mother or dying a painful death from cramps. Knowing me, I probably thought back then, well, if I do have a stroke or compromise my body functions to lead to a serious illness, it was meant to be. Everything happens for a reason. Yes, I was young and toxic. There I was, taking the first step and controlling the rest of my reproductive health. I couldn't have cared less. I don't think I would have made a different choice at that age, even if I knew better. I went from the pills to the NuvaRing, and my worst side effects were migraines and possible mood swings. Still, at this time, I have no ill feelings about birth control. It served its purpose. I had a regular cycle, no cramps, no abortions, and no kids. In case you were wondering, I am no longer on birth control. At age 30, I decided I no longer want to control my ovaries and cervix. They are free to be healthy and live their natural life cycle. The way my mind works, because I'm a thinker, as much as I'm a doer, if not more, 
I can take this a few different directions from being young and sacrificing my body and my mental for comfort to the role of parents, doctors, and community advocates in educating young girls on the side effects of birth control and emphasizing other protective measures, to the way we normalize birth control and controlling our hormones, but not the natural body functions of a woman, and learning how to live healthy and coexist with our body functions instead of suppressing them, is deep. From just wanting less Black babies to be born to needing to control the kids being born into the system because their parents were in toxic relationships with the streets, to just sweeping it all under the rug and going on with our daily lives like nothing happened. For now, I'm going to focus on the mood swings. Stay with me, just in case this is going to flow from life to love to lessons without a tagline. Okay. I was about 24 years old when I stopped ignoring my mood swings and started paying more attention. I noticed that there was a shift in my thought process, my behaviors, my mood, and my relationships all at one time, and I couldn't control it. It took months of self-assessing to pinpoint exactly when it was happening, to learn how often it occurred, and if the shift took place in all the same areas of my life each time. I was intrigued. I was like, wait, who am I? This is not how I think. This isn't how I would have responded. This isn't what I would have done. But I'm clearly operating in this space without any hiccups besides losing friends and romantic relationships that I didn't really want to lose. It was likely something that happened to me for many years before I realized it. I noticed this change happened about seven to ten days before the start of my menstrual cycle. I started my cycle when I was nine. I didn't realize and acknowledge this change until I was 24. Mostly because mood swings and having an attitude was normal. That's an unfortunate fact. I didn't like it. I was being rude, mean, lacking empathy and kindness, super emotional, insecure, bloated, lazy, couldn't sleep, and had a bad appetite. Total opposite of who I am. It was absurd. Basically, it was illogical, inappropriate, and unreasonable. I was a completely different person seven to ten days before my cycle. Monthly. I was on a 15-year streak of this madness before I started to do something about it. The short answer to the experience was crazy. If you knew me, before I learned that part of myself, you'd likely call me crazy. Imagine this really sweet kind, confident, strong, ambitious, active, energetic, loving woman coming into your life and then boom, her whole demeanor changes. And you didn't do anything to trigger it. But she started tripping on you, got emotional, became insecure, lazy, lacked energy, was extremely rude to you. You know what? I don't blame the people who walked away from me. I had to figure myself out. First thing I did, pray. That inspired me to become more vocal about it. I would meet men and say, hey, you know, I just want to let you know, um, I may appear to be perfect, but there's this shift that happens in me about a week before my cycle comes and I can't control it right now. I'm still working on it. It's going to be a different experience. And if you don't think you can handle it, I understand, but I'd love for you to try. Most boys said they would they would just not talk to me that week and they'll catch up with me when I became normal again. They were boys. 
They are not to be classified as men on this show. Other boys said they had the heart to try it. And then I broke their spirits with my attitude and rudeness. Then got super emotional when they opted to leave because of my fear of rejection and sadness. My shift was intense. I went from smiling and pouring into people to being irritated and telling them that they weren't good enough and to just get out of my life and stay gone. And then I would be apologizing to them the next week because I didn't really mean what I said. And it was hard to explain. Man, this is hard. The next thing I did was start telling my friends and close family members about it because maybe they knew something I didn't, right? My mom is big on herbs and natural remedies, so she started sending me recommendations for different vitamins like serotonin, and my sister sent me Bacopa, um, both known to boost brain function. I started talking to them, and I did notice a slight difference after taking these uh, vitamins. I was more aware. I was I was present during this shift and able to reduce the stress and anxiety that came along with it just a little bit. That was good, but it wasn't the end all be all right. The third thing I did was visit my primary care doctor to learn you know, what her recommendations would be. She didn't ask me any probing questions or refer me to a psych doctor or therapy. She understood and immediately prescribed me depression medication. I knew exactly what the medication was because I had clients who took it. So I opted to skip that prescription. I didn't want it to depend on an actual hormone treatment. I still experienced a shift and I couldn't consistently depend on those vitamins. I just wanted to be myself all the time. It was a silent battle. I was in the background praying and trying to figure this thing out. And one day, age 27, During grad school, I was in a group session with my peers and supervisors reviewing the DSM-5. That's the diagnostic book for therapists and psychologists, for those of you who may not know. And I'm skimming this book to find a diagnosis to fit a scenario and seeing premenstrual dysphoric disorder. It wasn't what I was looking for in terms of the group assignment, but I was definitely actively praying on this personal journey of mine to learn more about this shift in me. And this, this this title stood out. I bookmarked it. And when I had time, I revisited it later in the evening. And after reading what it was, y'all, I had never seen or heard of it before that moment. I would do my best not to speak like a clinician or pretend like you know what the DSM-5 is or how to read it or how to process um, diagnosing mis- mental health. So let's start with the important stuff, the symptoms of premenstrual dysphoric disorder. One, you start having a shift in your hormones and experiencing specific symptoms at least a week before your cycle begins. And the symptoms improve when your cycle begins and and are minimal or absent when your cycle ends. Two, marked effective lability. Basically, the constant changing or shift in the mood, feeling, or emotion. It looks like mood swings, suddenly feeling sad or fearful, or increased sensitivity to rejection. Three, marked irritability or anger. Increased interpersonal conflicts. Basically, all of a sudden, you're angry and irritated with the person, which causes conflict. Four, 
Mark depressed mood, feelings of hopelessness or self-depreciating thoughts. Basically, you're sad, lazy, and insecure. Five, mark anxiety, tension, and or feelings of being keyed up or on edge. Basically, you're nervous or anxiously excited about this shift that's about to happen. Like, you know what's coming and, you know, you're like, okay, okay, this is about to happen to me. This is about to happen to me. I can relate. Now, that's criteria A and B. To have this diagnosis, you must have met criteria A and B in at least one symptom from criteria C in order to confirm the diagnosis. If you've been listening, you know I personally experienced all of A and B. I wanted criteria to C to look like a bunch of stuff that I had nothing to do with. I didn't want to be able to identify with this, and I just wanted to be able to keep wondering what was going on because it's normal to not want to identify with the mental health defect, right? So let's move on to criteria C. Remember, you only need one out of these seven symptoms to reach a total of five symptoms overall in order to confirm. We're going to call it PMD. One, decreased interest in usual activities. Basically, you don't feel like going to work. If you're used to drinking a gallon a day of water, you don't feel like doing that and you're not doing it. And and if you typically go to the gym every day, you're definitely not going to the gym. Two, subjective difficulty in concentration. Three, lethargy, easy fatigability, or marked lack of energy. Four, marked change in appetite, overeating, or specific food cravings. Five, hypersomnia or insomnia. Basically, too much sleeping or the inability to sleep. Six, a sense of being overwhelmed or out of control. Seven, physical symptoms such as breast tenderness or swelling, joint or muscle pain, and the sensation of bloating or weight gain. Now, if you've been listening, you know I qualify for this diagnosis with my eyes closed. I experience all seven symptoms of criteria C. There are other criteria D through G, which I will not go into detail about, but basically they explain that you can only confirm this diagnosis if you fall within specific parameters. I will never lie to you. Somebody put a name to this shift I have been experiencing. The way I'm set up, if it's in a DSM-5, that means there's a lot of other women experiencing the same thing and it's been clinically proven to be a fact. And why didn't anybody tell me? Probably because they didn't know. Remember, Mental health is not something we speak of in the culture, especially not my immediate family or surroundings growing up. Three more, three more important factors to note directly from the DSM-5. The diagnosis can lead to suicide or better worded, while experiencing this diagnosis, you are at in a risk period for suicide. This diagnosis is linked to depression and other disorders related to major depression not to be confused or mixed up with things like major depressive disorder or schizophrenia. Like if you've been diagnosed with major depressive disorder or schizophrenia or bipolar, you can't say it's PMD or you probably can't be diagnosed with PMD. It may just be those other diagnoses, you know, major depressive disorder, because the the symptoms are a lot alike. PMD is only, you know, if these symptoms only last 
while before your cycle, the week before your cycle, a little bit on your cycle, and they have to immediately end when you're off your cycle. It can't be related to any other diagnosis or situation in your life. Also, women who use birth control contraceptives may have fewer complaints than women who 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 don't use them. Wait, let me did I say that right? Women who do use birth control may have less complaints than women who don't use birth control. So birth control is not a cause, risk, or factor in terms of experiencing PMD. So I stopped taking birth control about March, April. I lost my mind about March, April 2020, a couple months ago. And I started experiencing a more intense version of this diagnosis. And then, you know, COVID-19 came. I had no home. I had no job. I had no travels. I had no money. No stable mind. And I didn't know how to fix it. Hopefully, you listen to episode one and two. So you kind of have an idea that life has been trying me lately. I'm the type of person that I'm not going to come to you three years or four years from now and say, three years ago, four years ago, I was down and out, you know, and boom, boom, boom. This is what I had to go through to get out of it. I'm currently in this in this situation and, I, you know, navigating my way out bringing you with me on this journey. I'm still not all the way together. It's been a lot adjusting from, you know, having all my shit together, quite frankly, you know, and just being on it. Boom, boom, boom. I learned how to control it in a way. I learned how to get in front of this PMD and I no longer allow all of these symptoms to take over my life, you know, and I'm on birth control and, you know, I don't really got no money, but I'm also not in any debt, you know, with the IRS and, you know, and this and this and that. I literally came into 2020 with no money because I paid off all my consumer debt. Right. So I in March, you know, I had all these plans, you know, to travel the world and everything. And I also had a plan to, you know, get back into the work, the workspace, because, you know, like I said, I'm usually one that has my shit together. I'm never just really all over the place. Even if it seems like I'm just going with the flow, living life, I have a plan, right? So in March, the plan was like, out of there, you know? So for me, this entire experience has been mind-blowing. And so here I am sharing it with you, you about the finances part of things and about how I, I how I handle it personally, this this shift. I'll share something very interesting with you all. I'm currently experiencing my PMD symptoms. As I'm speaking to you, when this show airs, as you're listening right now, I'm currently experiencing these PMD symptoms. I am not myself. You know, which is kind of relative. Because I obviously am myself. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm I'm moving. I'm going with the flow. I seem a little balanced. It kind of appears like I got my shit together um, because I'm working hard. I I have to do a lot of, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F. Okay, let me make sure I check this box, check check this box, check this box, check this box, and so on and so forth. So I'm not out here ruining relationships, being mean to people being insecure, feeling like there's no reason for me to be on this earth. 
I kid you not. Last month, I woke up and I sent my best friend a Marco Polo. And I just told her, like, I don't know who I am right now. I said, I know deep down that I've accomplished a lot of things. And, and you know, I, I have some things to show for myself. And a lot of people haven't lived as much as I've lived. And, you know, and I, and I know this deep down. However, why do I feel like I should just leave the earth right now? Like there's no purpose for me to be here. Like I'm having a Britney Spears moment. Like I should just cut all my hair off and I need a guardian. I need somebody to take care of me right now because I can't take care of myself. This was just last month, you know, and I'm telling you this because this is real life. If I wasn't me or, you know, if I wasn't taken care of or had God right next to me and right behind me and I didn't have the support system that I have and the knowledge that I have, who's to say that I would be here right now? Because you are in a a, a, a way uh, your mind can be taken over by this depression and you're at risk for suicide when you're experiencing this PMD, right? Anyways, uh, if you've been listening to previous episodes, you know, you may be a believer like myself. If you're still rocking with me, you know Isaiah 54, 17. No weapons formed against you shall prosper. In all transparency, these weapons been prospering a little bit. That was a meme I shared a couple months ago because I felt that. It was funny. In all of this, I still have my, my little sense of humor. It could be dark humor sometimes, but you know. As far as PMD, I hope I've enlightened at least one of you and that either you or somebody else you know or somebody else you're aware of it. Maybe if you weren't before, maybe you know someone that this knowledge can help or you want to reach out and check on a woman who switches up on you every time she's about to start her cycle to say, hey, have you ever heard of premenstrual dysphoric disorder? Check this out. Boom, boom, boom. Hormone medications can help, but they don't they don't make them go away. You have to learn how to get in front of it. I honestly am proud to say that I figured myself out after all these years and I know what I need to do for me. It may not be the exact same for someone else, but we will discuss the things that I do for me, you know, and finances, all those other different things, because my life kind of has spiraled out of control. So we're going to break this down um, in the future, but we will expire that we will, I'm sorry, explore that later. Um, I don't know if my cycle will be irregular again so if I, since I've opted to stay off birth control. But I do know life is scary without birth control. This is an extremely new territory I'm learning and it's doing something different to my love life. Definitely got to be more careful when you ain't on birth control. Mind you, y'all know I've been on birth control like my whole sexual life. <laughs> right now. I don't know if I want to be celibate, stock up on condoms, or stock up on the Plan B pill. This new territory is quite frankly a bit too much. The men out here are brave and attractive. And since I've been off birth control, my sex drive has skyrocketed. And I really shouldn't be talking about this or telling y'all this, but y'all know PMD sometimes just kind of 
you know, anyways, I feel like we're grown. This is a safe space and I must look like the way I've been feeling because a lot of men out here have been speaking directly to my sexual desires. And I've been sitting with my spiritual advisors on this because it's hard to ignore the hormones, especially when they start demanding affection. But you know better. There's this saying, if you know better, you do better. The jury is still out. 50% of my circle says that I should be free. Give my body the sex it desires when and with whom it desires. Shout out to Alante in her 20s. Been there, done that. The other 50% says I should wait for the one. I think my intuition is confused for the first time. She really doesn't know what's right, what's wrong. And she's kind of in between. I would love to talk about sex a little deeper right now, but I'm going to save it for when I have a guest. I'm still learning this podcast thing. I would love to tell y'all, you know, um, like real deep stuff. But I also know there's more than one person involved in sex and men are sensitive. <laughs> they already be nervous that I'm writing a book about their approach to their behaviors. I keep telling them that book is done. I'm not doing a part two. And I don't need any legal problems. I do want y'all, those of you listening, to talk to me about this on Instagram. I want to know which side you're on. Be wild, be free, or be patient. Wait on them. Let me know. Let me know. Let Sex with one person just seems wrong, like I'm cheating myself. And I'm only saying it feels wrong because of my current sex drive since being off of birth control. So with anybody, just for sex seems wrong when I'm in the space that revolves around meeting the love of my life and the man I spend the rest of my life with. So on one hand, I'm single, fresh off birth control, my sex drive through the roof. I ain't got time to be waiting on one man. But then I'd be like, Alante, we've been there. We've done that. You know, that's just not who we are anymore. You're currently in the space. This is how I be talking to myself, you know, and you need to calm down. You need to relax. You need to stop and, and do this and do that and distract yourself from these sexual desires because you're not going to be out here like that. Sex drive is like, well, get back on birth control so you can suppress these desires. Or stop thinking that you'll be blocking the man of your dreams if you sleep with multiple men. Pick one. I'm not against sleeping with one man. This one man would just have to encompass, you know, all that there is that I'm looking for in a man. So that I, I can see myself committing to him. And I'm just being honest. I guess we'll see what happens. However, I think the point has been made. The lessons have been dished out time and time again. There are people out here with kids they didn't mean to or plan to have. I'm talking about whole human beings out here on these streets. Truth be told, I wasn't even supposed to be here. God put his foot down with me. He literally laughed at my mom's face when she tried to abort me. Lucky for her, I came out all right. I'm not trying to birth a lesson about unprotected sex or lack of loving and sharing a life with my baby's father. That lesson has been manifested time and time and time and time again and will continue to be manifested. But I just not I'm personally not trying to go through that lesson. I learned from everybody else's lessons. I'm also not about the whole STD HIV life. Yes, 
we need to talk about it. I go get tested every four months, even when I'm not sexually active, because HIV can creep up on you without showing any symptoms. And you cannot know what's going on with your body if you aren't careful or proactive. Sex is not always safe, just like it's not always good. We need to be more mindful about these things as we feed our sexual desires. Let's recap. Taxes, birth control, mental health, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, sex, infections, decisions, decisions. We digested a lot this episode. I hope you're full. Let's pick up the conversations about sex and relationships next week. May even throw in some finances in there. Talk about life and lessons, shall we? Okay, deal. Thank you for vibing with me today. As always, be beautiful. With love, gratitude, and opulence, I thank you so much for your time, your ears, and your mind. Please send any topic suggestions via Instagram, email, and or reviews. Check the show notes for details. Share more love by recommending this podcast and or hitting subscribe. Peace and blessings. Until next time.